turning to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 4. 2 Kings, chapter number 4. I want to say that it is a privilege to be here at Solid Rock Baptist Church. I do appreciate your pastor. And uh, just to emphasize what he was referring to, every pastor needs to have somebody to help them. And every pastor does not have a pastor. I am certainly not saying that I am Brother Jerry's pastor. But I just wanted him to know that somebody was praying for him. I would want someone to do that for me. And uh, I felt like it was, it was needful. I felt like it's what the Lord wanted me to do. And I would do it again. That's not pinning roses on me. That's just doing the right thing. And I would want others to do unto me as I have done in my life. But I appreciate the church. I appreciate every one of you who have been part of camp meeting in Taylorsville. I want to thank the church personally and publicly for your financial support to the meeting each month. Where uh, we try to encourage and help preachers. Uh, there'll be preachers from all over the southeastern United States. We provide lodging for every preacher who comes. And we feed meals twice a day. And we try to be good to everybody who comes underneath that tabernacle. But the main emphasis is for people to get help for their lives. I've told our people that uh, we don't know the magnitude of the needs that will step underneath that tabernacle. But I pray that the Spirit of God would be so real that people would get encouraged and get help. And that's why we have camp meeting. But again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And you'll never go wrong investing in the lives of preachers. Never. Uh, that widow woman in Zarephath fed Elijah first. Yes. And she said she didn't have enough meal to feed her and her boy. But when she went back to that barrel, there's enough flour and there's enough oil in that cruise for her and her boy to eat. And you know what? Uh, every time she went back, hallelujah, there's enough flour in the barrel, enough oil in the cruise. And I'm here to tell you, be good to God's man. Be good to your pastor. Pay him well. Be good to his wife. Be good to his family. Amen. God sent them all here to you. 
He just didn't send a brother Jerry. He sent the whole family. Be good to them and help them. Well, if you have your Bibles, we'll stand if you're willing and able as we read from 2 Kings chapter number 4. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did Fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, Thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she Poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. You can be seated tonight. I'm interested in verse number two for our text. Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Tonight, I want to look at that phrase found here in this verse, in the house. In 
the house. What this widow woman did not recognize as she came to Elisha the prophet seeking help and guidance for her life. That the answer to her need, the cure for her entire uh, problem was found in the house. It was at the dwelling place she had left to come to see Elisha. The answer to her pressing need was not found somewhere else, but it was found in the house. And it was found in that little pot of oil. May I say this tonight, that you and I are indwelt with the oil of the Spirit of God. And the answer to our every need is found within us in the person and work of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad tonight that it is in the house. But I want to say further that the answer to your need and the crisis that may be in your life and I'm sure there are pressing needs in this congregation tonight. And the answer to your need is not found out there in the world. It's not found in the advice of a fellow worker who is a unbeliever. It is not found in organizations or in positive thinkings. But I'm here to tell you the answer to the need for your life, for your family, for your heart, for your children is right here in the house. It would do Baptists well to find out that God meets our needs when we gather in his house. May I say tonight that anything of any spiritual value that has ever occurred in my life, it has happened in the house of God. No wonder David could say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It is not a drudgery. It is a delight. I'm glad I'm not finding reasons not to come. I have all the reason in the world to come. You can get help. You've got hope. There's healing in the house of the Lord. It is in the house. Three things I want to say. And we'll be done. 
Number one, I want you to note the inquiry that Elisha makes to this widow woman. He asked her a question. In fact, he asked two questions. He said, what shall I do for thee? As if to say, what do you want me to do? And you say, well, preacher, that sounds uh, 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 sort of cruel. Uh, no, I think Elisha is trying to point her uh, past human ability uh, and for her to get her eyes uh, on the one who truly uh, can meet her need. Uh, May I say tonight, uh, it is not your pastor uh, that has the answer uh, for your need, uh, but he surely knows the one uh, who has the answer uh, for your life uh, and for your home. He asked a question. He has an intent. He is not just talking out of the side of his mouth. And by the way, when God's man preaches on Sunday morning, uh, he is not standing up here taking up time uh, or passing time. Uh, he has something uh, that God has put in his heart uh, to deliver to your life. Uh, and it would do us well to hear uh, what the Lord has to say to us. He has an intention. When you think about it, you look at the very first time a question was asked in the Bible. You don't have to read very far in the book of Genesis. And you'll find that God poses a question. He said in Genesis chapter 3, He said, Adam, where art thou? And I want you to know tonight uh, he did not ask that question uh, for information's sake. He was not asking the question uh, because he did not know where Adam was. Uh, oh no, uh, he knew exactly uh, where Adam was at. Uh, he asked the question uh, so Adam could realize uh, where Adam was at. Uh, he was away from God uh, almighty uh, and he must realize uh, his need. Uh, and when Elisha said to that woman, uh, tell me what do you have in your house? Uh, he wanted that widow woman uh, uh, to uh, declare and acknowledge uh, her insufficiency uh, that she had nothing uh, to meet her need with uh, that only God could help. But this question gives us some insight as to how this widow woman felt about that little cruise of all. It says that it was a pot of oil. The word oil found there, thank you, is the Hebrew word uh, that means 
anointing oil. And it was very probable that this was the cruise of all that her husband had used being one of the sons of the prophets. And when she refers to that cruise of all, it gives insight to how she feels about it. It is something that is irreplaceable. This Bible right here, It's my preaching Bible. When I die, it wouldn't mean much to many people. But to my wife and children, it would be something of great sentimental value. It would be something they would treasure. It would be something they would remember me by. And when it come to that little cruise of all, uh, it was something uh, irreplaceable. Uh, this widow woman uh, looked on this cruise of all uh, as something uh, sacred, uh, but not useful. It was something of uh, uh, value to her sentimentally, uh, but it had no value uh, Practically, it was something to look at, but not something to live by. It allowed her to hold on to her past, but afforded no hope or help for her present need. But she is soon going to find out, hallelujah, that her need was going to be met through this little cruise of all. But it was also something that was insufficient. You remember when Jesus was going to feed the 5,000. One of the disciples came and said, Lord, uh, the time is now past. Uh, send the people away that they may buy victuals. Uh, they said the only thing we have uh, is a lad's lunch uh, of five loaves and two fishes. Uh, but what are they among so many? Uh, and the night uh, when she answered Elisha, it's as if she said, uh, all I have uh, in the house to my my name is a little cruise of all as if to say what can that do to meet my need oh tonight aren't you glad God can take our little and do much with it God can take our smallness and make it large I say bless his name This this question gives us insight not only to how she felt about that cruise of all, but it also gives us insight as to how she felt about that creditor. You see, her husband had incurred a debt, probably justly, And rightly, 
something he had meant and intended to pay and probably had paid toward the debt. But suddenly he has died. She doesn't she doesn't have anything left in the house. You say, why? Because she's done sold everything she has. She sold every chair, every bed, every pot, every vessel, everything hanging on her walls, everything to her name. She was trying to satisfy that creditor. She was trying to pay the debt, but her resources were not sufficient. And tonight she came to God's man to get help. But that says something about how she felt about the creditor. She was not embittered. She was not hard as he was. I tell you, it's cruel for a creditor to come around when death has come to your house. And there's no uh, a source of income. That's a cruel, uh, cruel way uh, uh, to do. This creditor uh, was cold and cruel. Uh, but may I say, uh, you don't find this woman uh, complaining. Uh, you don't find her coming to Elisha and saying that creditor is doing wrong. Uh, I don't understand why he's uh, doing what he's uh, doing. She doesn't say uh, anything to that uh, of that nature, uh, all she said, the creditor uh, is fixing to take my two sons uh, to be bondmen. She was agreeing uh, with the law. That's what the law demanded. Uh, and uh, the law allowed that creditor uh, to demand payment uh, for uh, uh, the debt. Uh, and tonight, may I say, uh, the law of God uh, demanded payment uh, from you and I. But I didn't have any thing to pay. I didn't have no righteousness. I didn't have no goodness. But I'm glad, hallelujah, it didn't come through the law, but it come through grace. Hallelujah to His It's in the house. Number two, Elisha gave instructions to this widow woman. Two things he instructed her to do. Number one, request. He said, go to all of your neighbors and borrow vessels, empty vessels, and he said, borrow not a few. In layman's terms, that means you go get every vessel you can get and you bring it into that house. And when you get it into that house, you pour out of that cruise of oil into those empty vessels. She had to knock on doors. Uh, she went, uh, her and her sons went through the neighborhood uh, and they went again to ask for vessels. Uh, it didn't make any difference what size, uh, what shape, uh, how old or how new. Uh, they just had to be empty vessels uh, and they gathered them uh, into the house. By the way, a lot of us 
say, well, God told me he is going to handle the situation. And we've, what we've done, we've went to, we've went to the front porch and we've sat down and we're just rocking away. The Lord's going to do it. We're just waiting on him. And uh, don't go to church much anymore. But the Lord said he is going to do something about it. We don't ever get to prayer. Yeah, but the Lord's going to get, he's going to do something about it. We just are waiting on the Lord. That's about where we're at tonight. I'm here to tell you, it ain't up to you and I to get it done. We can't make it happen. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord does not bless laziness and insolent ways. I'm here to tell you, as a man of God, you can't get up on Sunday morning and expect God to fill your mouth if you hadn't tried to study this book and find a word from God Almighty. I say tonight, he gave her something instructions he said request but then he says return he said take them back to that house that empty cold house now you'd think all that she's been There'd be some place she could go to find some comfort and relief. You'd think there was somewhere Elisha could have told her to go to be encouraged by someone who had walked where she had walked. That's not what he told her. He said, Sister, you're going to have to return back to that house. That house was empty. That house was full of memories. Oh, it was a lonely place. It was a, it was a horrible place to her. Everything reminded her of her husband and better days. And some of you know what that widow woman was experiencing. Because some of you have had to go back to that empty house. And mama's not there. Her daddy's not there anymore. And it's not an easy thing. And tonight, Elijah said, you go back and take those empty vessels and get back to that house and shut the door and pour into those empty vessels. You know why Elisha Sent her back to the house. He sent her back to the house to confront her problem. You see, you can't run away from your problems. You can't sidestep your crises. Some people say, well, I I tell you what, I'm I'm just going to start going to another church. They're sidestepping the real issue and the need that's in their heart. We've got to learn to confront our needs. We've got to learn to confront our problems and meet them head on. 
I'm not a sailor, uh, but they tell me uh, when you get in a storm on the sea, uh, the only uh, the only avenue you have uh, of survival uh, is to point that bow uh, into the front of that storm uh, and sail right through it. Uh, you can't turn to the side. Uh, it'll turn you over uh, and drown you. Uh, and the night Elisha was saying to her, uh, go back to that house. Uh, uh, confront uh, that loneliness. Uh, confront uh, your problem. Say, is that biblical? Why, sure it is. You remember when the children of Israel were down in Egypt? God blessed them. Pharaoh said, we're going to start killing every boy, baby, that's born to them Hebrews. And the midwives said they couldn't get there quick enough. They had already delivered. But I'm here to tell you there's a lot of Hebrew baby boys. You know what happened to them? They got thrown into that Nile River. They met their death. And I can hear the screams of those mamas. They're echoing on the shores of that Nile River. Oh, the sobs and the, and the heartache that they felt as they saw that bundle of life uh, die right before their eyes. But Jochebed and Amram have a little boy by the name of Moses. And they've hit him for three months. And they can't hide him no more. And you know what Jochebed says uh, uh, to Miriam? Uh, she said, Miriam, I've made an ark of the bulrush uh, and I've daubed it within and without uh, and I've got a job for you to do. Uh, I'm going to place little baby Moses uh, in this ark of the bulrush uh, and said, I want you to take it uh, uh, down by the flags of the river. Uh, I could see Miriam's eyes just go big and she could have replied well mama that's where all the Hebrew babies have died it's down by the Nile River she said I know but you're going to take him and let him down by the flags of the river he'll float down and God's going to look after him and God did God delivered him she met her problem head on Pharaoh's daughter was taking a bath uh, and her heart uh, went out to little Moses uh, when they saw she saw him uh, in that ark of the bulrush I'm here to tell you the answer to our need is right here in the house number three Elisha talks about industry that's supposed to go on in that house. He says, there's some work to be done when you get there. And I'm here to tell you, when you're facing difficulties and your heart is sad, it's not, a, it's not time to sit down and do nothing. It's not, it's not the time to fall out of the choir. It's not the time to uh, surrender your Sunday school class. Uh, oh no, it's a time to work. 
it's, if there's ever a time to sing, it's when you're in the heat of the battle, uh, facing your enemy. That's when you ought to sing. And if you and if you haven't got a voice to sing, uh, and you've got laryngitis, uh, I wouldn't sit back. Uh, I'd get my place in the choir uh, and mouth every word. Uh, the devil don't know everything. Uh, I'd act like I was singing uh, to the glory of God. You see, he said, I want you to go in and shut the door. There's some things that God does behind closed doors. There's some things God will do right here in this sanctuary that he ain't going to do out yonder somewhere. It's going to take place right here in the house of God. And he said, shut the doors. Take that little cruise of oil and go to pouring out. Did you know there, there are things that God does that he never means for the world to ever see how it's done? Yes, sir. It is evident right out here in nature. These trees right out here, they've got green leaves hanging on the limbs. And you know what them leaves do? They take all the carbon dioxide that's in the air and they take it into themselves, into their leaves. And through a process called photosynthesis, they process that carbon dioxide uh, and they expel it from their leaf uh, and it is breathable oxygen. They don't know how it's done. Uh, It just occurs. Uh, Hallelujah. I don't care how it's done. Uh, I'm just glad it happens. Uh, Hey, uh, God knows how to do certain things. Well, there's an old caterpillar out there. He's going to crawl up on a limb somewhere and he's going to start winding a cocoon around himself uh, until he is totally in the dark. Uh, And there's a process that they called metamorphosis uh, will take place while he's inside that cocoon. Uh, Hallelujah. And when he comes out, uh, he ain't no caterpillar anymore. Uh, Oh no, he is a colorful, uh, lively butterfly. Uh, Oh, you say, how did it happen? I don't know. Uh, God done it in the dark. Uh, God shut the door on uh, you and I and he done and I'm here to tell you when his son was a dying on the cross at noonday God turned out the light he didn't mean for this world to see the punishment his son would bear for your sin and mine but I'm glad hallelujah it was what God demanded it was enough and God paid the debt of our sins but not only did he say shut the door 
But there's an emphasis on sacrifice. And here's where the whole story hinges on. If this had not occurred, her need would have never been met. All of her labor thus far would have been in vain. All the asking from the neighbors, the carrying of the empty vessels, none of that would have been of any value had she not sacrificed. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Elisha said to her, that little pot of oil, said, you're going to have to take that pot of oil and you're going to have to pour it into those empty vessels. Now that little pot of oil was precious to her. It was valuable to her. But the Lord is saying, you're going to have to give that to me. You're going to have to pour it out to me. And I can see her as she reaches for that little pot of oil. Her trembling hand. She's not hesitating due to unbelief. I think she, she would have hesitated out of love and appreciation for what it, that, little oil, that little pot of oil meant to her. But she said, the man of God said, I've got to pour it out if my needs are going to be met. And she starts pouring that oil. And when that little pot of oil should have been empty, oil just kept coming out. Until that vessel got full. She turned her up. She said, bring me another vessel. She tipped it over again and that oil just kept on running out. And when she thought it ought to be gone, it is still flowing out of that little pot. That little cruise of oil, she feels that one. She says to her, boy, bring me another. She keeps a pouring and a pouring and a pouring. And they fill every pot they have. There's none left. And the Bible said, and the oil stayed and she found out when she stopped pouring the oil she still had the same amount of oil in her little pot that she had when she started when you give it to God you don't ever lose you always win hallelujah tonight God just wants your little pot of oil you say, preacher, I just can't surrender some things. To go. You'll never get what you need until you're willing to, to give it all to God. Oh, tonight, uh, that's what God wants from our life. Uh, we're going to have to sacrifice. We're gonna, it's going to have to hurt uh, uh, to be able to give uh, like he wants us to give. Uh, I'm not talking about so much money. Uh, I'm talking about ourselves, uh, our time, our talents. Uh, we're going to have to pour them out to the Lord uh, and God will bless uh, what we do.
Would you stand tonight while they get a song of invitation? By the way, the answer tonight to your life's problem is right here in the house. It's not out yonder. Oh, you say, well, preacher, I need to talk. No, you don't need to talk to nobody but the Lord. You need to bring it to Him. Some of you holding on to some things uh, that you don't want to lose. Uh, you feel like if you, if you give them away, you'll never get them back. I'm here to tell you, if you give them away, uh, God will allow you to win. Uh, amen. Uh, while we sing, brother, God's speaking to your heart. Without Him, 